Good morning. I'm Aya Wimala, and we're into August now. It's a beautiful day here. We're having our typical Midwestern, and we haven't had this this year, where we have a hot summer, and then we have a couple of days of a beautiful cool down and uh, gentler weather. And we're on the, we've had a few days like that. So uh, we're enjoying the a little bit more coolness and less of the hot humidity. And uh, that's more the pattern that we're used to here. So, you know, when we see something familiar and uh, that we're used to, it, it's, uh, it, it gives you a pleasant feeling. <laughs> so, good morning, I'm glad you're here with me. I'd like to read a little bit and uh, then we can sit together and again, I'm reading from Dhamma Everywhere. We're getting close, close to the end. We may, I keep saying we'll be ending it in a few days and then I find something really beautiful to read. Dhamma Everywhere by Ashin Tejaniya or Sayadaw Utejaniya. This is a beautiful book and he's talking about mindfulness practice and moving our practice uh, into every moment of our waking life. And we are we do we have our sitting practice or our walking meditation practice, but then we just keep going. It just flows into our everyday life, which is which is the purpose of it, to help us be able to be aware and to be aware with that wisdom that we're looking for and to notice what's happening around us. So we're in the Dhamma in the mornings, which is the very last section of the book before we get into a nice glossary. <clears throat> Dhamma in the mornings, and I'm on page 183. And this is the same message he's been teaching us all through this book and says it in so many different ways, you know, it really starts to sink in. Observe how the mind and objects interact. Are you aware only of what you want to be aware of or of what is actually happening right now? Do you only observe what the mind is attracted to? Things happen according to their nature, and awareness just waits and watches. You will see things as they are if there is no greed, lopa, aversion, dosa, or delusion, moha, in the mind. You will see things as they are if there is no greed, no aversion, or delusion in the mind. Lopa greed is always searching for something to like. Is there really something to be desired within the object itself? Or does the nature of liking desire this object? Loba's nature is to like, grasp, or cling. You only think you like this object because of Loba's nature of liking and moha Moha's nature to obscure an object's true characteristics, Moha being delusion. 
Delusion further confuses the mind into desiring more of the object. There's no stopping the cycle of suffering. And the cycle of suffering is what we call samsara. There is nothing to be liked about an object. There is also nothing that you get just because you like it. You only get things when the conditions are ripe for you to get them. Whatever is happening is due to nature. You just wait and watch this process objectively. If craving is absent, you will just see what is to be seen. There is nothing attractive about what is happening. There only needs to be knowing. There is nothing attractive about what is happening. There only needs to be knowing. Lopa is sticky like glue. It's a subheading. Lopa is always present. That's it. Uh, liking something, wanting to have it. Loba is always present. Loba's nature is wanting or craving, and its nature is to exaggerate things. It is very sticky, like glue. It doesn't let go or release. It never feels satisfied or contented because it thinks there is too little, there is never enough. As a meditator, you can see how Lopa comes in and creates trouble in the practice. Just try to pay attention to this. As long as you don't understand the way Lopa works and its different tricks, you will be at its mercy. Lopa is craving. It always wants more. When you notice Lopa, study it intently. How are you meditating under Lopa's influence? How does Lopa think? You can't fully understand Lopa through second-hand knowledge, only through your very own experience of Lopa and all of its workings, in all of its aspects, will you really understand. To be contented is wholesome. To be discontented is Lopa. If you are contented with the results of your practice, when you understand that you get as much as you put into the practice, then you have samadhi, that focused, stable mind. It is lobha that isn't satisfied with the results of the practice. You are practicing as much as possible, and you'll get that much back in return. Be contented with that. You will do as much as you can and be satisfied with what you get. Understanding the Noble Truth of Dukkha Vipassana Samadhi develops out of continuous awareness. So Vipassana, remember, is insight. Samadhi is that stable, focused mind. Vipassana Samadhi develops out of continuous awareness along with right view and right attitude. Samadhi arises and there is peace when there is continuous awareness with the right attitude and right view. What is unique about this? 
Should there be desire for a peaceful mind state? Should there be aversion to agitation? When there is a cause, there is an effect. Because there are conditions for contact, there is contact. There is craving for comfort and happiness. There is also aversion to agitation and unhappiness. Happiness and discomfort are just feelings. The experience is only to be experienced. The object is only an object. Whether good or bad, feelings are just feelings. Wisdom recognizes this and releases the grip of greed, lopa, that desires good experiences. Only when the mind does not perceive experience as pleasing will it understand the noble truth of dukkha. As long as the mind perceives experience as pleasing, then the noble truth of dukkha is still far from being understood. People think that they see the truth of dukkha only when they experience suffering. If that is so, how can they understand that experiencing calm, that's the samadhi, the moments of bliss or delight, piti, or of tranquility, asadi, are also dukkha, so long as moha is present, and that's so long as moha is present and considers any of these experiences as pleasing, the noble truth of dukkha can't be understood yet because people listen with defilements. When they hear about the noble truth of dukkha, they think it is about experiencing bodily or mental suffering. In fact, that is dosa at work. Whatever is happening is dukkha. Don't look at what is happening with aversion or you will become depressed. The noble truth of dukkha is discerned by the wise mind and is totally opposite to the kind of dukkha one feels. The understanding of the truth of dukkha is wisdom. The mind feels strength, energy, freedom, and attachment with this understanding. The mind is devoid of craving and defilements, whereas the experience of dukkha is exhausting. The true realization of dukkha is free from attachment and free from defilements. Wisdom has no preference. As you continue to practice, Observe when awareness is present and when awareness is absent. When wisdom is present and when wisdom is present is absent. Wisdom naturally understands what is beneficial and what is not beneficial. You are practicing to learn to watch the mind and body. Insights will grow according to your understanding and what you can know 
but it's more beneficial <clears throat> to have awareness or to lack awareness, to develop wisdom or not develop wisdom. You can investigate and analyze this for yourself. However much we plead for a blind person to see, to see, she will not be able to see. Likewise, no matter how often we ask a person to see ultimate reality, paramatta, he will not understand its principles when there is no wisdom. Only the wise, discerning mind can understand the nature of paramatta. Wisdom has no preference to see one thing over another. So that wisdom is equanimity. Without the desire to see specific things, all you have to do is keep your eyes open and you can be aware. It is obvious you know that you are seeing. The desire to see specific things or experiences stems from lopa, and that's that wanting. Wisdom can't arise when the mind is filled with lopa. When you observe with lopa, only more lopa will arise. However, it is wisdom that recognizes when, when lopa has arisen in the mind. Vipassana wisdom can't be comprehended simply through intellectual thinking. That's an important sentence. Vipassana, insight, wisdom, can't be comprehended simply through intellectual thinking. The ordinary mind can't bring about insight through intellectual thinking. Vipassana insight is not something that can be conceptualized through images. It is a wholly new understanding and insight of principles or nature. It is kusala, which means skillful. It is kusala if wholesome states of mind are continuously followed by wholesome states of mind. Samadhi doesn't develop if wholesome states are followed by unwholesome states. There is samadhi when the previous mind is wholesome, if the present mind is wholesome, if this is followed by wholesome mental states, and there is continuity and awareness, the absence of sati, samadhi, and panya, so mindfulness, focused mind, and wisdom, is what gives the absence of those three is what gives defilements opportunities to arise. Whatever kind of work that involves defilements will one day grow old and dull. On the contrary, the work of knowing is never dull. Work knowing with wisdom, knowing reality, does not have the characteristic of becoming uninteresting or monotonous. It is always new and fresh. You don't get tired of knowing as knowing is never finished. It never gets boring. You need to be happy with the work you are doing to have interest in it. This work is for life. When the mind sees again what is already familiar, the knowledge only becomes clearer. 
wisdom deepens and you become more attentive and energized, your understanding and field of comprehension expand. There is no end to knowing it as it is never complete. There should be no such thing as, I know, because it is never enough. You start to see things free. I'm sorry, that's, you start to see from multiple angles. You see two sides, mundane world and ultimate reality, mind and object, cause and effect. And the last part we'll read is called, this practice is for always. This is the end of the day one. Remember that practice is not done only through sitting. It is not only when you sit to meditate that there is awareness. The awareness must be present at all times, in all activities. Once you have a right attitude of balanced effort, without expectations, Try to be continuously aware. I'll read that sentence again. Once you have a right attitude of balanced effort without expectations, try to be continuously aware. Only then will momentum develop. It is important to learn to be aware for longer and longer periods so that you can use this momentum outside You are not exerting so much energy or yearning for something. Neither the mind nor the body should become tired. There's no need to focus. Work with balance, calm, and continuity. The most important aspect of meditation is the meditating mind. Awareness must always be present. Observe whether the mind is working or not. Keep checking the mind to see whether awareness is present. What is the mind aware of? It is important to practice with care, respect, and interest, and practice as much as you can. You've come this far and you will get as much as you put in. Be satisfied with the sati and samadhi that develop. Finally, remember to practice consistently throughout the day, all the time, with a balanced mind and right effort. So that's the end of day one. Let's see how many days he has. Yeah, this last section is very beautiful. So, um, we're really doing like a wrap-up of the book with this last section. And I think this is going to be Dhamma that we can all take with us. And uh, it's it's easy enough to keep in mind. And then as we see our practices growing and developing, working with the very basic, simplest simplest things we're learning, we'll see that 
all, what we do as we feel like we learn more is we're practicing more. We're practicing with that interest and not letting our practice get boring and letting it continue off the cushion. So it's, it's, he's got just beautiful ways of saying that over and over. Why don't we practice together now? As usual, I've talked through most of the time, but these are beautiful words from uh, Ashim Tejaniya, and uh, I wish we had had uh, more access to him, more teachings. But uh, there are places and teachers who who are students of his in the country, and they have. If you go to his website, you'll see who they are, and uh, I'll be trying to do the same thing and finding more talks, and I'll link them for you. So why don't we sit now? And remember when you finish sitting, and I'm not recommending that you quit your sitting practice, or if you do walking meditation that you stop doing that, but remember to keep it being continuous. So. I spend time when I have time, and I try to make time to sit and watch the little animals, the birds and the squirrels and um, the chipmunks dart out. I try to just be aware of that nature that's right outside my door. Uh, and I can see that as a continuation of my practice because I'm just observing and I'm being present. And uh, I walk, I walk a neighbor's dog who's unable to walk her dog most days. And uh, those of you who know me know that I've I've had dogs, but my last one died uh, the year before the pandemic. So I'm taking a lot of pleasure in being able to walk my neighbor's dog. And when we're out walking, I'm observing. I'm observing, and being more aware of what the dog is observing. So I'm able to kind of tap into, into what he's doing and just uh, be with him and be, be out and be seeing that as part of my practice. So take every opportunity you have and just doing things at home and seeing how, how much you can stay with your awareness it, it all it all becomes more interesting. And we're working too with that energy with that uh, we're working with that energy that we have in our bodies and that we we are fueling our bodies with and we're learning different ways that we work with energy. So now just be aware of your body breathing. The body's breathing for us.
let's do a short metta practice. And then uh, I'd suggest that before you finish your practice, do a body scan. So we'll do metta together, and then you can do a body scan just to check in with yourself and see how you're doing today. Descend those thoughts of friendliness and loving kindness to yourself. It's how we always want to begin our metta practice. It's very important that we can learn to love ourselves or we'll always be looking for it in other people and other other things. Keeps us, I think, from being able to love others. So begin by learning to love yourself, to befriend yourself. Be able to comfort yourself. May I be well. May I feel safe in the world. May I be free from the suffering that I often cause myself. May I be free from those causes of suffering. May I be content. May I relish those moments of joy and true happiness. Welcome them in more into my life. And may I be at peace with myself and with the world. Extend these same feelings, these same wishes out to your loved ones. This is sending them out to the people you know who really care about you. To the animals that love you unconditionally and that you love and care for. May my loved ones, human and non-human, be well and feel safe.
May they be content. May they be able to appreciate small joys and true happiness. without chasing after experiences. May they be able to find peace within themselves and with the world. Now just allow yourself to radiate these wishes of loving kindness, of peace, of being contented out to all living beings throughout this world and then even out into the universe. Just feel your own body radiating these qualities out and may all living beings human non-human visible and invisible to us in this world and in this universe be well be content feel safe And may beings be able to care for themselves or be cared for lovingly. May living beings be free from hunger and thirst. May beings be free from fear and worry and anxiety. May all beings everywhere know peace. And let yourself just sit with this practice as long as you have time, but then carry it with you all day whenever you have an opportunity to pass peace to someone, pass kindness, uh, be available, be, be open to that. May everything we do or say or think be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all other sentient beings. Thank you. Thank you for being part of my practice. 
and I'll be with you again on Tuesday. Thanks.